0: Good morning. Welcome to the House of the Lord. It is good to have the Assembling of the Saints, have fellowship, and worship our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. A warm welcome to all guests that have joined us this Father's Day, as well as those who will be watching and listening to our broadcast later this week. We trust that you will experience God's presence and blessing as we receive the truth of God's Word, sing His praises, And give him the glory for imputing his redeeming love to us. For an opening scripture passage, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. No, for an opening scripture passage, let's read Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And it reads, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. As Christians made in the image of God and exemplifying holy temples of God, we have a high calling with a weight of responsibility. We are to prevail over the trials of temptation and glean from the experiences God has led us through. Fathers are called to be the spiritual leaders in the family and we should not shirk that responsibility. Let's try and be the holy temples that the non-Christian community would see and recognize as bearers of spiritual light and hope. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before your throne of grace and we thank you for the redeeming blood that was shed for the remission of sin. Lord, we cannot comprehend your greatness and your mysterious works, but God, we know that we can all approach you at the same time and you hear and attend to each one of us individually at the same time. For this, we give you our praise and glory. Lord, give us wise instruction this morning. Make us attentive to the truth of your word Remove distractions and anything that would hinder us from having fellowship with you. May your Holy Spirit move in our midst, Lord God, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Good morning. Let's sing together. Um, Open your hymnals to number 335, Children of the Heavenly Father. songs number 528 come let us all unite to sing please stand song is number 535 oh lord my god
0: Take your bulletins, We'll uh, look at the concerns and activities of the church. Pastor Victor is serving at Evergreen in Salem this morning. This week at Winker Bursthaler, uh, we are going to have our quarterly membership meeting tomorrow night. Uh, agendas are in the bulletin for the meeting. Missionaries of the week are Preston Meyer Wheeler. Uh, life in the church, delegates are needed for the Salem annual meeting, contact uh, Eileen, if you're interested. Uh, there's a v, uh, vocation Bible, Bible school that is taking place in August. Uh, if you want to volunteer, contact Anna. Jessica Siemens has a newsletter, and the Daily Bread is available in the foyer. Persons with health needs, we have uh, Lawrence Strader and Tina Fair in Boundary Trails Health Center. Henry Turpteason is at Crystal City Personal Care Home. And uh, P.L. Suderman's have a note there on P.L.'s condition. Church family potluck next Sunday. Uh, sign up sheets are in the foyer. Uh, remember to sign up. There's activities in church, South Central Council Resource and Pemino Valley Bible Camp. Also take note of people selling birthdays and anniversaries, milestones in people's lives. Ask the ushers to come forward. Pray. Lord God, we thank you for attending to our needs the past week. As we ponder what the coming week will bring, teach us to rest and trust in you. Lord, help us to recognize the error of our way and forgive us when we stray. I pray that your spirit would help us to recognize and obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit within us. Lord, you know our needs, hear our prayers, and intercede for us at all times. Help us to stay in fellowship with you. Lord, we pray for lost souls and the enemies of the Word of God. May today be the day of repentance and salvation and the day these enemies become friends. We pray a blessing on all the fathers as we celebrate Father's Day. We pray for your guiding hand in each one of their lives. May May they walk in obedience to your calling on their life and fulfill the God-given responsibilities to which each has been assigned. Lord, we pray for wisdom, discernment, and an avenue of like-mindedness for upcoming membership meeting tomorrow night. We pray for the health needs of Lauren Schrader and Tina Fair at Boundary Trails Health Centre, as well as Henry Turpteasen at Crystal City Personal Care Home, P.L. Suderman, and many others struggling with various health issues. We pray for healing. We thank you for all that have experienced healing by your hand. Undertake for the needs of our missionaries, Preston and Meyer Wheeler, and continue to be their inspiration. Bible camps are preparing for the upcoming season, and we pray for the leaders, counsellors, and other staff as they prepare a fertile seedbed for the children that will hear God's word when they attend the camps. May the planted spiritual seeds take root and grow. We pray this as well for our upcoming DVBS program. Lord, we pray that you would soften the hearts of those who are imprisoned, and facing the consequences of their actions. Draw them by your Spirit's power and reveal yourself to them that their hearts may be changed. I pray that the Bunker, Central Station, Food Cupboard and other local ministries would continue to meet the community's spiritual and physical needs. We pray for wisdom, discernment and leadership abilities for our elected officials, representatives, bureaucrats and members of our judicial system. Lord, we thank you for the material blessing you have bestowed upon us. Multiply the gifts, and may they continue to serve you through the various functions, activities, and ministries of this church body and the Christian community. We pray for all the participants in this morning's worship service. Would you bless them for their service and make them a blessing? We pray that you would speak through your servant, Pastor Dean, as he expounds the truth of your word. We receive your blessing in Jesus' name, in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.
2: reading of our scripture passage this morning is found in the book of Job chapter 1 through chapter 2 verse 10. There was a man in the land of Oz whose name was Job and that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil and seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East and his sons would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was, when the days of feasting had run their course, that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings, according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered. And the Lord said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man? one who fears God and shuns evil. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But now Stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now there was a day, when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabaeans raided them and took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped. To tell you. Then Job arose, tore his robe and shaved his head and fell to the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrong. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came from among them to present himself to the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? Satan answered, the Lord and said from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it then the Lord said to Satan have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him on the earth a blameless and upright man one who fears God and shuns evil and still He holds fast to his integrity. Although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. So Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a potsherd with which to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. May God bless the reading of his holy word to your heart.
3: Good morning. It is Father's Day. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. This morning we want to look at the character of a godly father. What does it mean to bring one's children up in the fear of the Lord and point them to Jesus Christ? Like most of us who are fathers, we realize that we have our successes and failures. However, there is always room for improvement no matter at what stage we are in life. Fatherhood does not end when our children or when our child graduates from high school, college, university, or goes off and gets a job, it continues as long as our child, uh, as long as our child and we are on the earth together. The best place to turn for instruction on how to be the godly father is the Scriptures. There are many examples in scriptures of people who were good fathers and not so good fathers, but nevertheless we can learn from all of them. We can take lessons from both of them. This morning we want to look at one of the fathers who went through the fires of testing, not because he was a poor father, but because a spiritual battle was taking place that he didn't even realize was happening. This man was a righteous man, a man full of integrity, yet his whole world came crashing down on him. The person who I'm speaking about, yes, is the portion of scripture that was read to us previously, and that is Job. So take your Bibles with me, and I hope that you have brought your Bibles along to Job chapter one as we take a look. We can learn so much about this type of father uh, about the type of father he was in the first two chapters. And before we go any farther, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Our gracious, loving, heavenly father, we pause before you to give you thanks. Thanks for each father. Um, Lord, fathers have a respo- awesome responsibility to bring their children up in the fear of the Lord. I pray, father, that you would have your hand upon each person today. Lord, as we look into the scriptures and especially fathers today, that we can, see, we can align ourselves with the scriptures on how to raise our children. And Lord, if we were privileged to have a godly father, we thank you for that individual, that individual who has done so much by leaving a godly example. There are no perfect fathers, but we realize, Lord, we will not be perfect individuals either but by depending upon you and leaning upon you that you will guide and direct us. I pray now, help us to gain the truths that will be presented before us out of the scriptures and apply them to our lives. For this we pray in Christ's name, amen. The marks of a godly father. The first thing that we learn about a godly father is, number one, he fears God and shuns evil, verses 1 through 3. Esther and has already read that portion of scripture for us. I'm going to read those first three verses again. It says, in the land of Uz, there lived a man who was, whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owed, owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the great greatest man among all the people of the East. These verses inform us of the statue statue of Job had before both God and man. One of the key things that we learn about Job was that he was blameless and upright. Other translations, such as the King James versions, use the word perfect. Job was perfect and blameless, but not perfect as in blameless without sin. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But he was perfect in the sense that he was a man of honesty, integrity. He was an individual that blame could not be placed upon him. He was perfect in the sense that he served others fairly and was generous to the poor. And he had moral character. He was beyond reproach. In other words, no one could accuse him of wrongdoing and of wrongdoing towards God or others. Now, the reason why he was blameless and upright is that he feared God and he shunned evil. According to verse one, that tells us this. When we translate the Hebrew word fear into English, it loses its real meaning. In Hebrew, it also carries the thought of great reverence and respect. That is what Job had towards God, which needs to be repeated. He had great respect and reverence towards God. That is what made him a godly man and because he followed the Lord with all of his heart. We also see in verse one and three that Job was not only bountiful blessed with seven sons and three daughters, but also with material wealth. He was a rich individual. However, we must never mistake that because one is wealthy, that is what makes him godly. Or because one is godly, that will automatically make him rich. The two do not go hand in hand. To be godly means to pattern one's life after God. In just a short time, Job would lose everything he possessed, including his children. Nonetheless, he is still a godly man because he fears God and he shuns evil. The question to each of us who are fathers today, can our children see in our lives that we reverence and we respect God and we turn from evil? Can our children see that God means everything to us? Do we really love God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind? Do we really serve him? Is he number one? Can our children see that in our lives? That is one of the reasons why the Lord considered Job to be a godly man. He served God with his whole heart. As we move on to the next set of verses, what other character traits did Job have that marked him as a godly father? Well, the second one is he attends to his family's spiritual needs, verses four and five. He attends to his family's spiritual needs. Listen as I read verses four through and five. His sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their birthdays, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting, when a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. There are several things that we can note from Job from these two verses. First, Job's life was more than just working, pursuing, and getting ahead in life. Although incredibly blessed, his family spent time together and enjoyed each other's company. This is crucial for our family, and we often do not take the time in this busy world to spend time with our family. We must spend time with our children, whether they are young or they are old. Second Job took his spiritual responsibility towards his family very seriously. As head of the family, Job acts like a priest who intercedes for his children through sacrifices. There is always a danger that when people enjoy light or taking life easy they can sin against the lord so job made sure to keep his family close to the lord by offering the appropriate sacrifices that needed to be offered he was the high priest he made sure that his family was walking with the lord so job made sure what he did was in light what god had called him to do if his children did sin somehow, if his children did sin somehow, even unknowing, unknowingly, their sin would be atoned for. As we can see by the last verse, Job was doing this faithfully on a regular basis. God was in his life. He worshiped God, he served God, he took time for God, he brought his family before the Lord, he made sure that this family heard the gospel back in the Old Testament. How about you this morning? How about you and I this morning? Are we attending to our family's spiritual needs? As a family, do we pray and read the Bible together? Do we pray for? Or do you pray for your children's salvation and that they would follow the Lord when he when they hear His voice? This is what the father's responsibility is to lead their family in this area in this spiritual life. The father is to be the imita- The father is to be imitated by this as he teaches his children. Job is an excellent model for you and me and how we are to attend to our spiritual needs of our family. I remember doing a funeral service for one godly man in the church that I pastored. And when his children were asked to share special memories of their father, this is what they said. They said, our father always had had, um, devotions with us. And then when problems happened, Where would he call us? He'd gather us around the table always to pray, and the family would pray about the problems that they were going through. That was the mark that this father left for his children, and they admired him for that because he always pointed them to the Lord. However, there is still more to why Job had the marks of a godly father, which is number three. He has pure motives. He has pure motives, verses six through 12. It says, one day the angels of the Lord came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming through the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed blessed the works of his hand, so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your power but on the man himself, do not lay a finger." And then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. In these following verses, we learn several things. First, Satan has access to God, and he talks with God on a regular basis. Satan is not in the lake of fire yet and he has been given dominion over the earth. Remember, this is his territory. According to 1 John five nineteen, we know that the children of God, or we know that we are the children of God, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Second, the Lord asks Satan where he came from. He replies from roaming through the earth, going back and forth on it. The earth is Satan's dominion, according to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be alert and sober, the scripture tells us. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for whom looking for someone to devour. We also find out what Satan loves to do with believers in order to stop them from serving the Lord. This is what he does. John tells us in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Now I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power of the kingdom of God and the authority of, of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and the sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Yes, Satan is the accuser. Did you know that Satan has access to God? And what he does is to accuse those who are believers. Until Satan is sentenced to the lake of fire, he will lead people astray and accuse them. Now the accusations that Satan brings to God against Job is that the only reason why God, Job is a worshiper of God is that God has given everything that he wanted. God has put a hedge around him. God is protecting him. This is an insult to both God and Job. It's an insult to God because Satan says that no one would follow God unless there were something in it for them. It's also an insult to Job because Satan does not know Job's motives. There are two reasons why God allows Job to be tested. First, to prove to Satan that some will serve God out of love and not reward. I want to repeat that. The first reason why Job is tested is to prove to Satan that some will serve God out of love and not reward. The second suffering and trials will deepen Job's faith in God. We don't want to go through sufferings. We don't want to go through trials. We don't want to go through hardships. We would rather have things easy, like Job in the first part of his life, when you're blessed and everything goes your way. We can all serve God that way, can't we? It's great to serve God when he gives us everything that we want, but we become like selfish, spoiled children when we get everything that we want. And Job and Satan was saying to God, He only serves you because you give him everything that he wants. As the story unwinds, we find Job had pure motives, love and respect for God. And we learn more about this in the final point of the marks of a godly father, which is number four, he responds to disaster and adversity with trust in the Lord, he responds to disaster and adversity with trust in the Lord. Listen again as I read verses thirteen through twenty two one day one day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine. At the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing, and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabines attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you you. While he was still speaking another messenger came and said the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put your servants to the sword and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, your sons and your daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house. And when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house, it collapsed on them and they are dead. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, naked I have come from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing, close quote. Just reading this is almost too much to handle. In a short portion of time, Job is stripped, stripped of his possessions, of his servants. And worst of all, he loses his ten precious children. I know what it's like to get the crushing news that a son has been lost, and that happened to me. And words can't describe the heart-wrenching pain. Likewise, I can't imagine what it would be like to lose 10 children, everyone wiped out in one moment, one flash, and it is done. These few verses record the catastrophe that happened to Job. They come so swiftly and fast that Job doesn't even have a chance to respond. He doesn't even have a chance to think. It comes crashing down on him. Two of the calamities are natural and two of them are supernatural. In verses 13 to 15, Job's oxen donkeys are stolen and the servants are put to death. In verse 16, fire fell from heaven and the sheep and the servants were burnt up. In verse 17, all of his camels are stolen by the Chaldeans. And finally, the biggest blow was the loss of his whole family, swept and taken away away from him. How could this happen all at once? Job, as I said, was utterly stripped of everything in this world, including his family. Everything was taken. Verse 20 says, at this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head then he fell to the ground in worship wow Job's response of tearing his robe symbolizes the intense anguish and the searing pain that he was experiencing. He shaved his head, displaying the loss of his glory. However, we must take special note that he fell to the ground in worshiping God. Why does he do this? The answer is this, is that he recognizes who he is and he acknowledges who God is. God is the owner and the creator. And so often we forget that. Sometimes we live down here and we have success and things are going well and pretty soon we switch places with God and we begin to think that we are the owners. We begin to think it is ours when in fact It is God's. Job came into this world with nothing and he will leave with nothing. The moment you and I think we own something, deserve something, or have our rights is when we shake our fist in God's face and we say, this is not right and I deserve better than this. Job said, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. You and I have no right to complain to God about anything, yet we do. Who gave us our life? Who gave us our spouse? Who gave us our children? Is it not God? Who allowed us to be born in a prosperous country such as Canada? Well, half the world goes to bed hungry today. Who, lets, who let us walk into church today or attend here? Who has provided for us a meal after church today where we can enjoy it with our families on Father's Day? Is it not God? When the children of Israel were getting ready to enter the promised land, this is what God tells them in Deuteronomy chapter six, starting at verse 10. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and your flocks grow large, and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And verse 17 says this, you may say to yourself, my power and my strength and my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God for it is he who who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirm his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today." How Job responded proved Satan wrong, and Job had no idea that he was in a spiritual battle that was taken place he didn't understand that his friends didn't understand it and he doesn't even understand it when it comes to the end of the book of job he has no idea what was taken what was happening around him the first so here pardon me as a result He does not curse God like Satan said he would, but instead he praises and worshiped God. So here are the four principles that each father and others as well can take home and apply to their lives today. Let me summarize. The first mark of a godly father is that he fears God and he shuns evil. In other words, what the Lord expects from every father is that they have great respect and reverence for God. As Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Remember, fear is not cowering before God, it's respecting him and loving him for who he is. The second mark of a godly father is that he attends to his family's spiritual needs. Verses four and five, as head of the family, Job acts like a priest who intercedes for his children through sacrifices. Today, as fathers, whether you are a young father or a father with children and grandchildren who have left the nest, we all have a responsibility to be an example, to read the Bible with them to pray for them and with them and to encourage them it is to take time to make spiritual time and it doesn't come unless you do it intentionally if you think it's only going to happen it won't happen you must do it intentionally the third mark of a godly father is he has pure motives Satan, the accuser, said to the Lord that the only reason why Job was serving him was because God has blessed him and given him everything that he wanted. However, when God allowed Satan to strip Job of all his wealth and his family, Job responded the proper way. He fell to the ground and he worshipped the Lord as fathers When the Lord allows bad things to happen to you and me, do we whine and complain to others or do we worship the Lord? Do we whine and complain to others or do we worship the Lord? We know our motives are pure when we worship, love, and serve God and don't complain to others. And if we have any problems, we come before him and we tell him that. But more importantly, our children will see that our motors are pure if we are serving and loving God. Finally, the fourth mark of a godly father, he responds to disaster and adversity with trust in the Lord. The fourth mark of a godly father, he responds to disaster and adversity with trust in the Lord. Job's response of tearing his robe symbolizes once again the intense anguish and the searing pain that he experienced. Job's faith never wavered. He remained faithful, that's why he is a friend of God, because he accepts good and bad from the Lord, knowing that the bad is for his best, which you and I cannot often see when bad comes our way. Job's faith never wavered. He remained faithful. This morning's question for you and me as fathers is, will we still trust God? when hardships, difficulties, or disaster come, comes our way? Will we curse God the way that Satan said Job would do it? Or would we worship the Lord like Job did and prove to be faithful because we love God like Job loved God? Verse 22 says this, In all of this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. This is the testimony of what it means to be a godly father.
1: The closing song we want to sing is number 300 in your hymnals, if you want to use it. Be thou my vision. And we will sing verses one, two, and four. Please stand if you're able.
3: Apostle Paul says this, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you for this special day that we can honor our fathers. We'd ask you, Lord, that you would have your hand upon each father today, as they strive to raise their family in the way that they are to go. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have young fathers here, we have middle-aged fathers, we have grandfathers and great-grandfathers. We pray, Father, that you would have your hand upon each of them as they continue to raise their children and, and their grandchildren. Now we pray, Lord, that you would go with, go with us as we go our separate ways, and as we celebrate with fathers around the table, may we honor them. For this we ask in Christ's name, amen. And you may go in the peace of the Lord.